He's alive. Amen. Let's give him a clap. Hallelujah. There's a song that came to me when I thought about that. God's not dead. He is alive. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my hands. I feel it in my feet. I feel it all over me. I mean, do you feel his presence here this morning? I get concerned when I don't feel his presence. Sometimes I don't know what it's all about. And I'm just going to throw this out to you. Yesterday afternoon, I was watching my grandson play baseball, and he had a pretty good day. Pitched five innings and won the game, the first game, and then they played another game, and he had a couple hits in that game, and so I'm feeling pretty good. But when I left there, all of a sudden, I just got weak all over. And I began to pray in tongues. I prayed, and I prayed. And, you know, I got home, and I said something to Barbara. And she says, well, are you all right? I says, I guess I'm all right. I, I, just, I just feel all weak. And she said, well, it might be you had too much sugar. You know, she's the medical doctor, and she tells me when I have too much sugar and when I sh- sh- don't. And, and so, but, man, all I could do was pray in the Spirit. And I prayed, and I prayed, and, and uh, some of you think I might be crazy, but I think God cares about everything, right? And so, the basketball games came, in, came on last night, and I watched the first one, and just kept on praying as I'm watching the game, and just, you can pray in tongues while you're doing all kinds of stuff, and so I was watching the game, and then the next game came on, Kentucky's playing Wisconsin, I'm rooting for Wisconsin, and Kentucky hasn't lost a game all year, and of course they're their favorites, and I'm praying, and just keep praying in tongues, because I didn't know what for, but when the game was over, it left it. Whether I was interceding for somebody, for the player, I don't know, but it was funny. When the game was over, it went away, and I think God cares about everything, whether I my team won or not, that's not the issue. But I think there's somebody maybe on the team that was believing God, praying, God, help us to win this game. This is not a good chance. I think all the money makers were putting their money on Kentucky. Well, if they were putting their money on Kentucky, they lost. But I want you to know God's alive. And his word is true. When you read this, you've got to believe this. When it says that Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive, he's alive. And he wants to be alive in every one of us. How many many of you know what it's like to feel the presence of God? You know, sometimes you don't feel anything, but that's okay. But a long time ago, I'd been in church all my life and I never felt anything. In fact, I'm not blaming God, I'm not blaming the church. But I slept through about every sermon. That's a fact. And I was so disgusted about, with myself about going to church and sitting there and sleeping, making a fool of myself. One time I groaned out loud. Another time my niece said, they called me Sonny back then, Sonny, you're not supposed to sleep in church. She said it out loud so everybody could hear it. And I'm thinking, why do I even go? Why don't I just do chores in the morning and go back to bed? But my father wouldn't let me. 
And then my wife wouldn't let me. So I had to stick it out. But I came to the place that I needed a miracle. And I said, God, if you're real, I need to know. I said, I've been in church all my life, and I've never seen a miracle. God, I need a miracle. And after that, God did a miracle for us. Brought us up here, and we ended up going to church. Heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I want to know part of it. And God said to me, if you don't want tongues, you don't want the Holy Spirit. Finally, I just said, okay. Barb had it, Marilyn had it, Arlen had it. I don't want to be left out. So I asked Barb to pray for me, and I received it. But I've been feeling the presence of God, whatever I do, wherever I go. Barb and I went to Florida. We decided we were going to drive straight through. We didn't get away till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I taught Sunday school. I preached. We had a meeting in the afternoon. And then we took off. And then we get to Washington, and Barb, I don't know, she just messed things up for me. She was on her iPhone texting, and she didn't, I didn't see the sign right, and I didn't know which way to go, and she's my navigator. I'm counting on her. And I made, I didn't miss the turn. I ended up going all the way around Washington, D.C. That's not a way to get to Florida quick. And I'm going on the way around, and I just said to myself, I can't do this. I'm already tired, and i got to drive all the way. We're just getting started. And I felt the presence of God come in. And I drove, and I drove, and I drove, and I drove. Finally, I got to Florida, and I said, Barb, I said, you got to take over. She took over, went 15 minutes. She said, I just can't go anymore. I mean, I drove <laughs> through Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. She drove 15 minutes. I can't, I can't go anymore. Huh? She was keeping me awake. So she drove, and I took a cat nap. I went to sleep just like that. 15 minutes later, she said, I can't go anymore. I woke up. I'm ready to go. I went a couple more hours, and I couldn't go again, and... I said, Barbie, I drive. She gets in. She drives another 15 minutes. <laughs> and this time, she isn't going to tell me. She's going to, she found a rest area, and she's going to pull in there, shut it off, and then let me sleep. The minute she pulled in there, I woke up. I said, I'm ready to go, and we went the rest of the way. I said that, I'm telling you that, because the presence of God came on me when I was in Washington, and he knew the desires of her heart. Because I had to beat Leanne because if she can drive home from Florida by herself with four kids, then her and I can drive all the way nonstop. (laughs) And I was determined. But you have got to be determined to know what God's saying to you. And so in Luke, or Matthew, chapter 12, Jesus was talking to the multitudes, and he cast... There was a a blind and dumb man who was demon-possessed, came to him, and he cast the demon out and healed him. And the scribes and Pharisees said to him, he said, they said to him, when this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan... He is divided against himself. 
How then shall his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Consequently, they shall be your judges. Verse 31 says, Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men. But blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So, verse 38, it says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him and said, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered and said to them, An evil and an adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Joah, Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea, monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Three days and three nights. We were down in Florida. I was having my devotions, and I was reading the end of Mark, reading about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then I remembered one of my favorite preachers, in Florida. I was listening to him and he made the comment about Jesus being died on the cross on Friday and rose on Sunday morning. And the Spirit of God hit me and I thought, we had heard 45 years ago, 40 years ago, that Jesus really died on Wednesday and not Friday. Of course, we teach it in our catechism, but you're not going to change the world. Somewhere along the line, I don't know when it started, but we started having Good Friday the day that Jesus was crucified, and he rose Sunday morning. Now, there's no way, if you think about it, he said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the center of the earth three days and three nights. Now, from Friday night, when they took him off the cross at sundown and put him in the tomb to Sunday morning, how can you get three nights? Impossible. So... I got thinking about it, because this man of God that I really respect had said it, and I'm in Florida, and I got thinking. And then I thought, what does Luke say? Because Luke said, he wrote everything. I want to read that scripture to you. Luke chapter 1 says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, have handed them down to us. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it for you in consequent, consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So I thought, well, what does Luke say about this? So I went to the end of Luke and chapter 23. Luke 23, it says this. Behold, verse 50, behold a man named Joseph who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. He had not consented to their plan and action. A man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews who was waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever laid. 
And it was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. So he was taken off the cross just at the end of the preparation day and put in the tomb before the Sabbath began. Then it says, Now the the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed after and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. They followed. They wanted to know where he was put. Because they wanted to go and put spices and things on his body, which is what they did when somebody was buried. And so they followed to see where he was at. And they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. Now, they didn't do that on the Sabbath. These were very religious women. And they honored the Sabbath. They would not have gone and prepared spices on the Sabbath. So what they did was, the next day then, was another preparation day. Getting ready for uh, Saturday, the real Sabbath. In John chapter 19, it says, verse 31, The Jews therefore, because it was the day of preparation, so that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. In the Old Testament, if there was a special day like Um, the Passover, if that was on a different day of the week than Saturday, they had two Sabbaths that year or that week. So that was the two Sabbaths. And if you take, go from Wednesday, Luke chapter 23, 55, says the women followed after and saw the tomb. Thursday, verse 54, the Sabbath, that was the Sabbath, was about to begin. Nobody worked on the Sabbath. Then Friday, they returned and prepared spices, which was preparation day, Friday. And then Saturday, the next day was another Sabbath. And then Sunday, the first day of the week, they went to the tomb and he was gone. Now, the reason I pointed that out, if I believe the word of God to be true, when Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the center of the earth three days and three nights. Now, I just gave you the scripture there. If you check it out, that's the way it works out. But you'll never get three days or three nights from Friday night to Sunday morning. So it has to be the other way because Jesus doesn't lie. Now, the facts are, after his resurrection, and this is the way many of us are, they went to the tomb. He was gone. First thing, somebody took him. Where did they place him? And they're looking They're wondering where he's at. And Peter and James, or Peter and John, they came to the tomb. They went, couldn't find him. He wasn't there. And they all went back. Nobody believed in what he had been telling them for months. The Son of Man must die, and on the third day, he's going to rise again. They were told this. But church, how many times are we told something, and we don't believe it? Or we believe it in here, but we don't do anything about it. Because in reality, you really don't believe it. Now, the amazing thing is, every one of the Gospels has Mary Magdalene gone to the tomb. Mary Magdalene was the first person that Jesus revealed himself to. And she went to tell the rest. And they wouldn't believe her. Even when somebody said, I've seen him. I've seen him. They they wouldn't believe it. They have to see it. With their own eyes. People called Thomas, Doubting Thomas. 
They were all doubters. None of them believed. Why he got the name, I don't know. But Peter and John didn't believe. But then Jesus revealed himself on, to two of them as they were on the road to Damascus. And then he came and showed up later on to and revealed himself to all of them. But I'm saying this to let you know how many times does God, wanna, does God tell us something and we don't believe it. We think God doesn't care. I've heard, I think it was Bill Gothard said years ago, God gives us a vision. Then there's death of the vision. And then there's fulfillment of the vision. Joseph had a dream. But when his brothers sold him off into Egypt, do you think he still had much of a vision? But when the famine came and his whole family had to come down, they all submitted to him. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he is alive today. He's alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. Man, I feel him all over me. And when I don't feel him, people say, well, you don't go on feelings. No, but if somebody's alive, he's with me. I want to tell you something. I'm married to Barb. And when she's not around, I can't feel her. But when we're together, I can put my arm around her. I can hold her hands. And when I was dating her, all I wanted to do was be with her. And I wanted to be with her so much that I married her. And if you love Jesus today and you want to be with him, you need to accept him as your savior. And many people do accept him. But we forget one thing. We want him to come into our life. And we want him to forgive our sins. How many know that's true? Huh? You want him to come in. You want him to forgive all your sins. But are you willing to forgive others their sins? Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. Bottom line. And when you're holding unforgiveness, you can't feel his presence. He's not with you. He's not hearing you. And then you say, well, the pastor said he cares about every little thing. He doesn't care about my little things. All I'm asking you today, examine your heart. Examine your heart. Do you have unforgiveness toward people? And if you do, you must forgive them. Jesus said, Father, on the cross, he said about us, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus forgave us in order that we can come to him. This is what Easter's all about. He died on, he loved us so much. He was willing to take our sin upon himself. He was willing to die. He became the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He became that Lamb that was killed back in Exodus. When God said to the children of Israel, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Church, it's all about the blood. And I read in Christianity Today yesterday... I think if I got the figures right, out of the top 100 songs, top 100 songs on the market today, Christian songs, five talked about the blood. Five of them. People don't want to hear about the blood of Jesus. We were raised in church singing about the blood. Those were the old hymns. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You can go do all your good works. It won't do a thing. But his blood that was shed on Calvary 
forgives all your sin. Church, we need the blood of Jesus. Let's pray.